Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse and 670 The Score. This hour of which is being brought to you by the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa, home of the Brute and the Highlands Championship Golf Courses, GrandGenevaGolf.com. Cubs and Cardinals will play the second of their three this weekend. Tonight, I believe 615 is first pitch. It's Jose Quintana uh, against Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty, Bruce Levine, was a high school teammate of whom? Somebody else who was good. Lucas Giolito. Yeah. They were high school teammates. There was a third guy on that high school team who was also a first-round draft pick. Um, when Giolito was working on his mechanics in the offseason, he went back to that high school coach who seems to know what he was doing a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty good uh, territory to go in. Flaherty has tremendous upside, just like uh, Lucas Giolito has. And it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the weekend there. Are, are people starting to... Get worried about the Chicago Cubs again. You know, it's kind of a miracle they're in first place still, isn't it? The, like because they've been they've lost a bunch of games when the when there's been a half game lead, and then the Brewers tend to lose the same night. Um, John Lester's got three bad ones in a row. Right, they've lost six out of eight. Lost six out of eight. Lester's got and, three and, bad and ones in a row. Clinging to first place by half a game. Last night, zero for eight with runners in scoring position. They're actually zero for their last twenty three with runners in scoring and, position. Uh, three for thirty three over five. Yes, and, and so as you say, they started. We must be out, looking at the same numbers. <laughs> I think so. Um, as you say, they started out so well situationally, yeah. and then the home runs have come, and have they fallen back in love with you know, the home a lot runs? Of it, a lot of it has to be Baez in yeah. his slump. Yeah. You know, he's been out there playing on one and a half feet uh, for a little while here, and he just hasn't been right since that injury. Yeah, and, 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 but sometimes I wonder about, I wonder about approach, you know? Two outs and a man on third base last night with Al Mora and David Bodie's at bat that ends up in a pop-up to center. And he's frustrated and throws the bat down. You don't, you don't need to elevate. In that spot, you do not need to elevate. David Bodie is just approaching his first full year in the major leagues, right? How soon we forget, you know, I mean, big, uh, big moment guy. But uh, David Bodie still has a long way to go to be in that well, you should have gotten it done, Erie. I mean, you know, I agree with you. We, he spoiled us a little bit because he has been such a big moment guy. Mm-hmm. 670, the score is where you are. Talking about, uh, talking about strikeouts, home runs, watchability, and attendance, as Bruce brought up, why attendance was down. So we'll take a couple calls on that before we talk to Terry Francona of the Indians in a moment. Joe in Arlington Heights, you're on the score. What's up, Joe? Hi, guys. You know, you, I don't even need to call. You just said exactly what, um, why I, I, I just get bored a lot of times watching, at least watching the Cubs, that there are so many times that there are people, runners in scoring position. Uh, maybe there's a guy in third with one out. And all you need is a well, base hit, obviously, or just a nice long fly ball. And it seems like they're just trying to crank a home run. 
and then you know what gets me too is that and you know listen, I listen to the score all the time. I don't listen to anybody else. I don't change channels. But there are times when it's just so um, analytical driven that it just takes the fun out of actually um, watching baseball or talking about baseball. Right. That's my thing. I'm just saying. And sometimes you know the the numbers can show one thing. A uh, Terry. Terry Boris used to say, like the eye test. I'm just going by the eye test. I'm not going by what numbers say. And I have a different opinion sometimes about players than what the analytics say. And uh, just like, I mean, I've always known, like for how great Chris Bryant is, that runners in scoring position, I see him maybe striking out or even some double plays or something like that. I see that, and then I, then I find out later he's not one of the better runners in scoring position hit players. And it's like I didn't need a I didn't need a uh, an analytical a number to tell me that I could see that. And yeah, but Joe, a lot of times the numbers well can back up what your eyes see, or maybe can you know have a discrepancy with what your eyes see, and then you can learn stuff. Just because yeah. something's joyless doesn't mean it's not well, useful. And, and on Joe's side, uh, some people just watch the analytics and don't watch games. Yeah, so some people do. Yeah, I mean that's the but, way they enjoy the game themselves. But some, some again, some just because something is boring or joyless doesn't mean it's not useful. Depends on how it, you talk Matt, about it. Don't take it personally. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the best at talking about the game can weave that stuff in in a way that dovetails Absolutely. either with that, or I against think, scouting. I think with with you and I and our concentration on baseball, mm-hmm. and you do two baseball shows every weekend here on the Score Hit and Run tomorrow at nine with our good friend Matt, um, we, we strive for that. We strive to inter, interwind, uh, you know, all the numbers and what we see together. So we're, we're more complete as reporters and people that are conduits to, you know, the people out there who call the station, watch the game. I, I think, you know, that's, that's our job, but it's, it's more challenging. I think in a lot of ways it's more fun because you have other areas to go other than what you watch. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times um, the numbers are demonized when, in fact, all they're doing is quantifying some of the visual scouting that has been done for decades. Sure, and, and you, you want to be more exact about that too, but uh, there are, again, a lot of people that prefer to watch highlights, to uh, watch their app, and then to uh, break down the numbers themselves. This is Riles and Gridley on the score. Hello, Riles, what's up? Morning, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Got it. Um, you know I'm a Cardinal fan, but the Cardinals got a break yesterday that they shouldn't have gotten. Um, Bader was struck out on a three and two pitch, mm-hmm. and they said that on the Cardinal broadcast. I'm sure they mentioned it on Cubs. Sure did. Now, um, could you guys get first off get your in- input on on that particular play? But do you have access where you can get the somebody from the league that is using the automated strike zone? see how well it's working out, let us know. Because I feel if, if they can get it right, they should. And a, and a missed called third strike can be a, a game changer. Well, I, I think that Major League Baseball is doing all it can to support what they consider the, the very best officials in all sports, the umpires. And uh, if you can get that support, I think they will. They're using it in the lower minor leagues. But, Matt, uh, honestly... I just I just don't see a machine doing the work at any point in the near future. Well, they're trying it. I think it's the Atlantic League where they're trying it. Here's here's the thing for me: get it get it right. 
Stop letting every ump I get mean, his chance behind the plate. What do you mean get it right? Well, stop letting – let me just talk about this. Yeah. Stop letting every ump get his chance behind the plate. There was a guy at Wrigley, Chris Siegel, who is notorious for a terrible strike zone. He was researching it before the game a couple weeks ago, and then he, he had a terrible strike zone. Uh, Laz Diaz, Angel Hernandez. Some of these guys are decent umps, but they're bad behind the plate. That's Laz How Diaz. How can you be last a decent night. ump if you're bad behind the plate? Because it's a different skill set. It's a different skill set. So that so you should have then what you're basically saying is let's stop the rotation. Let's just have the best guys on a crew ump home plate every night because they give you the best chance of getting it right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. That you know, there's instead of rotating everybody and everybody gets a shot, find the guys who are best. And if guys struggle with it, then say, you know what, you're still an ump. You still have your tenure, but we're not going to let you do behind the plate. And if it hurts their feelings, so be it. Yeah, I. I don't have a problem with that. I think if if you're stronger, if you have a crew that a guy is stronger behind the plate, let him go back there. I know it's a little bit harder work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Bill Clem did it for 40 years back in the early part of the 20th century. Every game that he ever umpired was home plate. I love it. Uh, I think when he started, there were two umpires per game. So uh, those things, those things are workable. I think, I think you know, we're we're beyond uh, hurting other umpires' feelings and. Dealing with their strengths would probably be the best idea. Yeah, and, and I think that is true. And we can make sure that they don't have to do it twice in a row, two games in a row. You know, if it's if it's too much to crouch behind there and lean on the catcher for an entire game, uh, two nights in a row, you can do that as well. Absolutely. It's 670. The score inside the clubhouse is what you're listening to. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. We do this uh, 52 weeks a year, right, Bruce? We, we try. Yeah. Some are better than others. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been a very very interesting start to the year for some some teams expected to be good. I have been curious as to why uh, some teams have not been more active over the course of the off season, and 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 find themselves in the middle of a winning window and yet not quite being as aggressive as I thought they might be. And the Cleveland Indians are one of those. They're in town playing the White Sox. Yeah, and and, uh, we're going to have a a nice opportunity here to talk to one of the best managers in the game, a guy I've been friends with for, I hate to tell you, you over 30 years. So uh, let's bring him in right now. Terry Francona, the manager of the Cleveland Indians, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Terry. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm good. Matt Spiegel here with me as well. And, uh, you know, being the man that you are, um, you don't cancel when things are going bad. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I know, I know it's not horrible, but, um, I mean, I think the last thing you want to do is, yeah, I got to do uh, Levine's talk show today. That's, uh, that's really the number one thing I want to be doing at 1110. So we, we, well, we appreciate you joining God, us. Wasn't your fault the way we played, so that's you know that yeah. that's okay. So the American League, Terry. Um, let's let's not start talking about the Indians or the White Sox. Let's talk about the American League. What is your perspective of what you see in the league? And uh, I know you don't you know you concentrate daily on winning a ball game, but uh, what what are we seeing in the American League this year? Well, I mean, the East has three really good teams. You know, Tampa Bay, we just saw them about 10 days ago, and they pitch as about as good as you can, and they have a lot of young, good hitters. They're really an interesting team. 
you know, we're getting ready to play the Yankees next week, and and we know they've endured a bunch of injuries and they're still really good. You know, they've stacked their bullpen and and we just got done playing the Red Sox who are going to be better than they are now. So that's, you know, that's a that's a they they got a good thing going over. They're going to beat on each other though. You know, in in our division, Minnesota has 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 been as good as about as good as you can be for the first third of the season. You know, they've swung the bats. They've got good pitching. They've kind of manhandled so far our division. So we got some work to do. Hey, Terry, have you been surprised at all at some of the financial realities for, for your organization? Has, has it been at all anything that you did not expect this particular year? Um, no, they've always been pretty good about explaining stuff to me and why we're doing things and things like that. They've, um, you know, you know, I, I knew the, the, I knew the lay of the land when I came here. I mean, Chris explained it to me. Right. And, you know, we got to stay within some, you know, we got to, the idea is to, to give us a chance to be good for a while, not just, you know, have a, have a, have a time period and then rebuild. And, you know, so we're trying to, trying to do it, do it. It's not easy. I'll, I mean, I think anybody would say that. But we're, we don't want to have a massive rebuild and take four or five years. That's nobody wants to do that. So we're trying to kind of you know balance some things, and it's hard. He prefers to be called the former manager of the Birmingham Barons, Terry Francona, joining <laughs> us on inside the clubhouse. Hopefully and, not the next. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, from from your career, I mean, I I know you're not one of those guys is going to sit down and tell all in some book at some point. But uh, it's been a fascinating career, to say the least. And I, I remember when you got your first Amer- uh, first managing opportunity with Philadelphia and uh, learning the politics of being a manager in baseball with, with <laughs> players and front office. It would be a great book. I, I, would, I would hope that you would consider it. But knowing you, no, knowing you, no, I know no, you're no, not doing tough. it. Yeah, no, nothing. That's the kind of stuff's over. I just... I'm just happy to come to the ballpark and see if we can play better. And then when the time comes, I'll ride off into the sunset and hopefully I'll, I'll stay in the fairway and not the rough. What do you see in the Chicago White Sox? I, you know, I'm a big fan of Rick Hahn. I think he has done a really good job. And when you look at Rick Renteria's teams, they always hustle. That's the one thing from the day he took over. Well, now you're starting to see some of the guys maybe that were brought up Last year, you know, some of their left-handers, Bummer and those guys, now all of a sudden they've got a year of experience. You know what? They're pretty good. And, and you know, you're seeing some of the younger position players, Moncada, you know, they, they, they've got some at, they got 1,000, 1,500 at-bats now, and you're starting to see what they can do because they're catching up to the league. Hey, hey, Terry, you know, pitchers often act as their own CEOs, maybe their own pitching coaches. These days, have, they'll have the guys or their fathers they turn to. I'm wondering how independent Trevor Bauer is compared to other starting pitchers you've had uh, in your career. He's a fascinating Remember guy. Remember, he had a guy named Schilling. Yeah, <laughs> so he's had a few. Where does Bauer rank in terms of, of independent starting pitchers? You know, I'm not good at ranking. I mean, you know, he's definitely – a unique personality and that's okay. We don't try to get guys to change their personalities as long as they fall in the line of, you know, caring about the team and being a good teammate and Trevor competes like crazy. You know, he, now, you know, he, does he show his emotions more than we would like on them? Yeah. 
but but it's like I said, it's not a perfect world, and you know we we continue to try to work on those things and and won't stop. But it's not like you're going to have 25 Cub Scouts. That's just not the way the league works. Terry, uh, Matt, and I were talking about how home runs to us, at least to me, are boring now. <laughs> um, I, I guess um, you know the home run, walk, strikeout. Uh, ending to baseball, uh, you know, so often now is, is, you know, starting to wear on me and some other people. How do you look at it? Because uh, home runs used to, you know, they used to mean something to me. I, I, I'm not quite sure the meaning any longer. I, you know, I, I understand your point, And I think maybe it's because so many players are selling out to hit home runs. And by that, I mean, you know, it's, you know, they're willing to strike out as opposed to maybe putting the ball in play and hitting the ball the other way. So it's hard sometimes to string an inning together. If you hit home runs, you win. If you don't, you don't have, you know, you don't have the ability to string innings along, keep, keep the line moving, however you want to say it, because guys don't hit the ball the other way enough. They don't shorten up with two strikes, you know, things that can keep a rally going. You're you're constantly relying on the home run. That is very difficult. Have things changed for you, Terry, as they've changed for other managers around the game in terms of working with the front office and kind of translating, you know, what a front office has learned and wants to do to the players? You were always heralded as a guy that, that, that communicated with both ends of, of the baseball spectrum well. Has it changed at all for you? No, I think that's what you have. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I think you're supposed to take the modern analytics and combine them with, you know, years of experience and what you come up with you hopefully is pretty, is a pretty special collaboration. That's part of why, you know, when you guys were talking about maybe some of our financial constraints that I remind myself how lucky I am here. Cause I, I love the people I work for and they treat me like, like gold and, you know, it's not doesn't mean we're not going to go through challenges because because we are, we're going through them right now. But I, I like doing it with people I care about. Terry, uh, your favorite Michael Jordan story you can tell on the radio? <laughs> oh my, I have so many. Come on, I mean, I mean, you and so I have many. talked about a lot of them, yeah, but uh, I mean, just you know, the the playing basketball with him in in in, in the fall lakes probably my favorite where. You know, I took the last shot, and he got so mad because, you know, I was just out of gas, man. I couldn't play anymore. And he, he kicked the ball up against the window, and, you know, he was like, he was just, he goes, I shoot last. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, and then he walked away, and I said, you know, I, he got about three feet ahead of me. And I said, well, now you know how I feel when I see you try to hit a curveball. And, and he about hit the floor. I mean, the more you could treat him like a normal guy, the more he loved it, but you, but he had to trust you first. And I understand that because of who he was, man, you know, it was, it was, it's hard for him to let his guard down, but once he did, Oh my goodness. My, my, my all time favorite will always be, uh, Michael Jordan walking, uh, down a flight of stairs and, and, and to, uh, the, into the, uh, um, well, Terry, was he right at the, uh, the lip of the dugout or not during during a game as it's going on. <laughs> there's there's so many stories that I mean I mean it with, was, <laughs> only Michael Jordan can do that, right? 
yeah, no, it was, there was stuff every day. I mean, it just, it was a whole different world for one year. That's, that's for damn sure. But, but I'll tell you what, above, above everything else, the way, and I know I've told you this, Bruce, the way he handled things, the way he treated people, the way he respected the game, it made it work because it had a million ways where it could, it might've gone haywire, but because of the way he handled it, it never did. Terry, you're a good friend. Appreciate you doing this. Best of luck to you and the tribe. I know White Sox fans don't want to hear it, but uh, you <laughs> you do things you do things the right way, and uh, you're a nice combination of old and new school, which makes me feel good as well. Thanks uh, for me and Matt again. All right, guys, enjoyed it. Take care. All right, I'll see you, Bruce. All right, take Matt. care. Thanks, Terry. Tito Francona, manager of the Indians. Uh, one of the best old and new school managers in the game. I wanted more time. I, I want to ask Manny Ramirez. Go to Ramirez. the ballpark. Yeah, okay, I will. I will go to the ballpark yeah. and try to get Manny Ramirez stories. Yeah, out of he's the guy. awesome. Uh, you know, I wonder if what he got asked, asked more about Jordan stories oh. or Manny Ramirez stories. I wish I could tell you a couple of the, uh, the stories, but I can't. Well, we got to take a break, and I'll try to make you tell them. All right. Uh, right after this on Inside the Clubhouse, we'll come back. You Darvish, Cubs bullpen stuff, some of the White Sox realities that we began the show with. We'll talk to you with the phone lines open at 312-644-6767. That's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Matt, what's the rest of the day like on The Score after we get off at noon? Well, it'll be me and Steve Rosenblum from noon until 2. That much I can tell you. Okay. After that, it's a mystery. A mystery. Well, let's see. Do I have a promo sheet? No, I don't. Well, um, we'll, get, we'll get the rest. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get it. We do first. know we have Cub Baseball coming up tonight. That's for sure. Right? I, I, Julie I, and Maggie at some point this afternoon. I think so. I should have yes. had that information all lined up and ready to go mm-hmm. for you. But in, Sorry. Indeed, indeed, I do not. Sorry, since I didn't have it, I threw it your way. <laughs> That was nice of you. Uh, Bottom of the hour also brought to you by the Chicago Dogs. Uh, Tickets now on sale for the Chicago Dogs, your premier minor league baseball team. Cheer on Big Z and get in the game tonight with the best post-game fireworks or tomorrow for Meet the Team Family Sunday. Tickets at www.thechicagodogs.com. The Chicago Dogs baseball with everything. I want to get back to what you were talking about with the attendance, Bruce. But I give you this stat. I'll ask you this question. 12 home runs and 12 doubles. In a single month, in a calendar month, mm-hmm. it's been done in the National League three times. Frank Robinson, mm-hmm. Hank Aaron, and and um, his month just ended. Javier Baez. Josh Bell. Josh Bell, yeah. 20, 12, 12 homers, 12 doubles in, the same, in one month. Tr- crazy numbers uh, for Josh Bell, who... Had an off year after a very excellent rookie year in 2017. Last year, way off. Kind of a clumsy defensive player, Mm -hmm. but man, is he mashing. He has revamped his hitting stroke, and he is just destroying the ball. So Hank, Frank, and Josh Bell, overall in May, 93 total bases. And for those who don't know total bases, you just add them up. A home runs four, triples three, uh, etc., the most in a month since Willie Mays in 1958. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. The guys ahead of him are Mays, Mantle, Musial, Ruth, and Al Simmons, Hall of Famers, all of them. This is a historic month that Josh Bell just Yeah, had. and we're going to start to see more crazy numbers, I think, this year because of the offense in the game is just off the chart, and slug is such a huge part of the game. OPS is 
the number everybody concentrates on. So, you know, when was the last time someone bragged about somebody's batting average? Um, When you're trying to talk about Tim Anderson. Yeah, I mean, but that's it. Or Jorge Polanco. You know, if it's a local player. But, I mean, most people now, they don't even know who has the best batting averages because batting averages are pretty much at all-time lows in Major League Baseball for collective teams. Yeah, I I only know that Jorge Polanco leads the American League in batting average because he's on my fantasy team, and I'm enjoying him. But, yeah, yeah, there's Tim Anderson at 328, National League. It's Cody Bellinger at 379. It's been his league. You know, it's been mostly Bellinger league, you know, for the first couple months with, uh, you know, a couple other guys like Yelich uh, showing up and uh, protesting his well-being as great as he's, as he's been. Well, I appreciate certain hitters, uh, as I'm sure you do, like Jeff McNeil of the Mets, who is a spray-to-all-fields, you know, yeah. singles guy. Yeah. Th- those guys will still have Ask value. 10 baseball fans, and eight of them won't know who he is. Yeah. DJ LeMahieu is hitting 317. Always has been the guy. Always has been that average guy you know, spraying the ball 12 around. homers, 60 RBIs, uh-huh. might hit anywhere from... 290 to 345 like he did when he won the batting title a few years back. I've, you can still use guys like that as long as, I mean, in Minnesota, they're loving that Polanco doesn't hit a lot of homers. Who cares? Let him hit 338. They've got other guys. They're on pace to hit like 320 this year. Yeah, I, it, it, it really is. But you, you almost have to apologize for guys that that's their main number now in baseball. You know, oh, they're high average hitters. Well, if they don't walk and they don't have power, mm. nobody wants them. Well, th- none of the guys who are hitting over 300 in the American League, of those guys, only a couple have an OPS under 800. One is Josh Reddick in Houston. The other, Lurie Garcia. Lurie Garcia is hitting 301. He's got an OPS he of walk. 712. He, yeah, his, his OBP is 333. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting though, cause guys who can hit for average, they do have a place still right. in this league. They do. Uh, but you know, a, a walk, um, you know, again, walk is an important thing in certain lineups and others. And, uh, depending on where you bat and, uh, who else is around you? It's mm-hmm. not quite as important. So Jorge Polanco, by the way, does have nine home runs. So three thirty-eight and nine homers. That'll everybody do for- has nine home runs. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do for a shortstop. Um, do you think that's a direct corollary into into the attendance? You, you really do just the home runs and the strikeouts and the the, the style yeah. of, of lack of ball employment. No, I, I think the number one reason. And Matt and I were ta- if you're just tuning in, Matt and I talked about earlier about. Attendance is down uh, one point something percent, mm-hmm. which is uh, significant. But I think I, I still think the main reason is the tanking that's going on in baseball. I think that uh, a lot of teams have made their teams very uninteresting to their fan bases, and they're saying, "Hey, you know what? If you show up, okay, but we're not trying to put the best team on the field. We can. We're working toward that other day." Well. That doesn't necessarily have to be supported by baseball fans as far as spending your hard-earned money going to a ballpark when you know the team's not very good and not trying to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's a subliminal effect of, I don't want to support this ownership that's really not putting out the best product right now. That's it's understandable. I, I wouldn't. It's in, my theory. In, well, in some of those teams... 
are ones that are not really in a clear, full-on rebuild mode. Like, they could have stayed the course and tried yeah. to compete a little bit. Uh, Jonah Carey wrote about this uh, yesterday uh, or the day before. Like, some teams are just kind of choosing to not spend, and it's kind of a... Uh, it's a distraction. They're using the idea of rebuild and how acceptable that's become to allow themselves to not spend. It, it's kind of like what the Mariners did. Uh, Mariners won 89 games last year. Jerry DePoto, who was a guest of ours earlier in the year, talked about the fact that that 89 with the group he had wasn't sustainable or was they were gonna, weren't going to be able to increase depending on the economics of their uh, – mm-hmm. and, and therefore they – have done a subtle dump out uh, of multiple trades to uh, get rid of money and trying to rebuild on the fly. Um, outside of the New York Yankees doing that about four years ago, I don't know that that has been done very well. The rolling rebuild. I yeah. remember we talked about it when the White Sox were trying to do it. When they traded, it was the Jake Peavy deal was kind of the harbinger of it to go right. get. Uh, Avi Garcia, and they tried to go get Adam Eaton and Matt Davidson and guys like that. Let's get guys who are really close to the majors. And it didn't really fly. Yeah, it's hard to do. It really is. And again, the Yankees were successful doing it because they already had good young players coming along. You know, they had Sanchez. They had Judge coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just added some of these other guys into the mix and – and therefore, uh, they were able to uh, to make it happen. But again, uh, so back to our, our point on attendance, I think two two combinations been lethal for Major League Baseball: tanking and the weather the first uh, two months of the season, all over the country, not not just uh, the Midwest but the East as well. Just. Horrendous weather for people to even consider going out to the ballpark. Texter uh, asking this question, not quite being facetious. Would Tony Gwynn be a fourth outfielder pinch hit specialist today? Would he get a chance to play I, every I, day? I, I I know that's that's a great question, and I know it's a little facetious. Yeah, but I don't know if he'd be as valued as he was. Do you think he'd be as val- valued as like he was? And third in the MVP race in 1984 because he hit 351. Yeah, stole and, about 50 bases. Uh, and- still, yeah, stole 33 that year. Had an OPS of 853. This is still a career 847 OPS guy. Some of those years, I mean, the 958 OPS in 1987. Yes, it's strengthened by a 370. Batting average, but I think I think if a guy's hitting three sixty, three seventy, he's playing every day. You know, you hit three ninety four in uh, three quarters of a season in two thousand two in uh, nine uh, ninety four. Ninety four. Yep. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you hit three thirty seven for your three thirty five for your career. You're pretty good. Yeah, but uh, those guys don't come along uh, that often. Let's take a call before we got to hit a break. This is Daryl in South Holland on six seventy. The score. What's up, Daryl? Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. I just want to throw my, throw my name in the hat if you guys ever need another host uh, for the weekend. I'm available. All right, good to know. Good to know. All right. Hey, We've been known well, to reason, do stuff like that here. <laughs> the reason why I called in originally because you were talking about Manny Ramirez, and I, and I do recall uh, uh, Chris Bryant was talking about how Manny Ramirez helped him when he was in the minors, and I was thinking Manny Ramirez would be an excellent, I don't want to call him a batting coach, but maybe a batting consultant. For the White Sox young hitters, there's a guy like Jimenez and Moncada and maybe Luis Robert and so forth. I just think that his knowledge of the game would help them guys. Chris Bryant was talking about how 
he told him to look for a pitch on the outside corner. And Chris looked for that pitch, and he singled, hit a sharp single in the right field and, and the kid back coming up. So I just think that, you know, Manny Ramirez, I don't know what he's doing right now, but I just think he's, he was a valuable right-hand hitter and how he would be so valuable to a team like the White Sox. That's my um, well, my, he, my favorite hitter of all time. He Manny was with Ramirez. the uh, Cubs for a number of years, helping with their minor leaguers, and did uh, have his imprint on uh, some of the guys like Baez and uh, um, Wilson Contreras and uh, Bryant, you know, from his input that he showed in. But then he tried to play again, Bruce. He, he went to a, yeah, remember, yeah. he played for a Japanese league team and he had that contract that called for unlimited sushi. You remember that? He I was, mean, uh, he was at the angels Mariners game on Thursday night, celebrating his 47th birthday. Was he? Yes, he was. Well, and, uh, I think he was, uh, He's. I, I don't know if he's working for anybody now. He's, he, he's not. He's, yeah. he's Manny. He's, he's busy being Manny. That's as mercurial a personality mm-hmm. as there ever has been in the game. You know, the, the skewed part, uh, you know, having done uh, performance enhancing really did take away a little bit from the fact that he was probably the, the, the most dominant right-handed hitter mm-hmm. for about 30 years. I mean, from a, a span of when some of the great right-handers retired in the – 70s and 80s Manny I mean his numbers were so consistent and so dominant yeah but uh you know the steroids thing kind of skews it for him yeah it's 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 a shame because when you really think about him you think about his ability to spit on sliders just off the outside corner with an unbelievable eye and crazy patience we'll continue to take your calls to the top of the hour then Rosie and Speaks will Take over at noon, 312-644-6767. It is Inside the Clubhouse. Steve Rosenblum and me, Matt Spiegel, at the top of the hour. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670. The score, he's Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. Bruce, last year on uh, June 1st, Mm -hmm. all of the division winners... We're in first place. Everybody was in place. Except the Dodgers, who had had that terrible start. You know who was in first place in the West? Was the Rockies. And they ended up finishing in second place by one game. Made the wild card game, obviously, and, and, and took care of the Cubs. But so as of June 1st, as of right now, here as we have arrived in June, are the division winners in place like they in were the last year? In the American League, they are probably. Uh, you know... Tampa or Boston could eventually catch the Yankees. That's a that's a three headed monster there. I I think it is the Yankees, and with all the injuries they've had, to you still know, be you remember where they are. last year at this time, weren't the Yankees in first place? No, apparently yeah. not. Okay, uh, all right. last year because time, I know the, the first winners. six weeks or so, mm-hmm. uh, they they were, and everybody was saying that Boston was going to have a hard time catching them because. They were having a little bit of trouble at the point at that point, but then Boston just took off, mm-hmm. and you know, hundred and what did they win? One hundred and nine games or <clears throat> something like that. And yeah. uh, I, I would say, I would say the American League is pretty set. I mean, do you see anybody, you know, getting to the playoffs other than the the top group right there, right now? I I, I do not. So I think you've got Yankees. Minnesota and Houston as your division leaders and eventual division winners. And, and you probably League. have the other two wild cards in the East. I would think so. You know, Tampa mean, Bay and Boston. Well, I, I mean, Oakland's starting to, they've played really good ball to get over 500. They're probably uh, 
short on pitching, but they were last year when they won 97 games. So is it worth it for a team like the White Sox to get crazy aggressive and try to become you mean that sign sec- Keiko? That second, that's well, you know, Keiko. If you sign him long term, then you're solving your, you're doing your offseason bidding at the same time. I don't know if you're signing I mean, a 31 or 32 year old guy at uh, this point. Don't you think his stuff is going to age nicely? What yeah. if it doesn't? What if it's not wine and it's more like vinegar? Yeah, you think that that's that's why he's not there? He's asking I, for ace money. I, I think he's asking for wine money. You know, it's just. People are afraid it's going to turn to vinegar at some point, and if that's the case, you know he's not. He's he certainly hasn't pitched to the Cy Young form that he was what three years ago. Hmm. So it, it, in that American League, you're looking at Tampa Bay and Boston, and then you know the White Sox are one game out of a wild card here on June. 1st. I hope the White Sox win 84 games, and I hope they don't make the playoffs because it'll show that. They've had a lot of good players uh, progress. They've learned how to win and that they still have a place to go. They still need to keep moving on. And front office then can start signing some of those veterans to plug in to where that rebuild makes a lot of sense in 2020, 21, 22. I know I'm not alone having looked at the free agent starting pitchers for this upcoming offseason. Well, Garrett Cole... Garrett Cole. That would be a nice one. Go ahead and overspend and go get Garrett Cole. Or is he... They have have plenty of money. They they, have a lot of money. What are they doing in Houston? Bruce, what are they doing down there? They're they're trying to continue with their window. You know, they still have some really good young players in the organization coming up. This is what I'm talking about. In terms of pitching development... Their teams, and I know what they're, they focus when they draft those guys, but whatever they're doing, their teams at every level of the organization lead their leagues in strikeouts per nine innings. Right. Every single yeah, pitching no, I mean, staff they, they have. They have a lot, lot, lot of good going on. And Joe Madden couldn't stop talking about their swing and miss pitchers that they have in that bullpen. They had, they had three star players on the bench and they were putting up multiple, you know, eight, nine runs against the Cubs uh, because they're that good. Verlander went there and got better. Garrett Cole went there and got well, better. Because they listen to the analytics and they, they take a, a very good player and they give them something. If, if they're intelligent, they, they, they use what they have there. And your, your buddy, Mr. Goldstein, is a big part of that. Yeah. And they use what they have there and they do get better. But they've also drafted extremely well um, and developed extremely well. Yeah, I think they're the standard bearers in terms of pitching development in, in all of baseball. Let's take the last couple calls, Matt, and then it's you and Rosie all the way. Craig on the northwest side is on the score. Hello, Craig. Hi, guys. What's going on? Uh, we were talking about attendance, and maybe this, maybe I'm making too much of this, but there are two teams in Florida which are dragging MLB yeah, down. Right. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, Miami is under ten grand per game. Tampa Bay is thirteen. Last grand week they per had game. two uh, attendances of six, six and five thousand, and those are announced. Let alone who's actually in there, Craig. So they're. I mean, I'd get them out of there and try to find some. Uh, River Grove might be able to stop <laughs> Craig, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. I love Craig. This is Ron on the south side on the score. Hello, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, earlier you out here talked about the American League really being pretty bad. You know, guys, if you get a chance, look at the uh, American League National League West. The records 
are totally the same. Houston is up seven and a half over Oakland. The Dodgers are eight and a half over San Diego. The rest of the team. But what, 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 the point I'm trying to make is that, and I was looking forward to a really good race in the Central. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's 500, St. Louis. And so I, I don't see where the National League is, is, is that much better. And, and, and you can argue that the top four teams in baseball all of out of the American League, but I, I, I was, you know, even in the East with Philly. Well, you, you might be right about the top four, but there's a lot more, <laughs> Ron. There's a lot more teams that are trying not to win in the American League than in the National League right now. That's the thing. It's the obvious intent of the following teams to try and win in the National League: the Dodgers, San Diego, Colorado, the Cubs, Milwaukee, yeah. St. Louis. Outside of Miami in the National League and. I don't know. Uh, everybody else Giants, is. Giants are very Giants, down. Uh, but, but, uh, down, but they're looking to get better, okay? They're still looking to get better. There's, there's too many teams in the American League that are saying, we'll get better at some point, but right now we're not, we're not going that direction. The Nationals haven't pivoted yet, but it's coming. They're nine games uh, under five hundred, but they're still I, I don't trying. want to watch AAA uh, teams uh, in the major leagues. I'm not spending my money watching uh, Kansas City against Detroit. I love okay? I love what San Diego did and saying, screw it, let's go. Let's get Machado. Let's yeah, bring up Tatis. They spent their time uh, rebuilding, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, again, I'm not saying the quality of the National League is at an all-time high. I'm saying what is the intent of those franchises right now? That's what I look at yes. as far as attendance and whether I'm laying my money down or not. Yes, the the willingness, the willingness to actually be trying to go out and get it done. So in the National League, who of these division leaders is not going to win the division? The Phillies lead the East by three over Atlanta. I think they're going to win that division. It's going to, Atlanta is on the uptick. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to add. What if they add Keuchel? I mean, or Ke- Kimbrel too. Keiko and Kimbrel are difference makers for a lot of teams right now. So this next week or ten days should be something you really pay attention to because there might be that bidding going on for those two, and then you're going to start seeing trades made after the draft here on Monday. And the Cubs in the Central, I think the Cubs are going to win the Central. I think they are going to make the, a deal, find a way to add to the bullpen as Theo does every year. If you, you tell me how Lester and Hamill. Pitch, and I'll 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 give you their final number. Well, we'll see what Hamels does, and then the Dodgers are already eight and a half up out west, and they're yeah, not going anywhere. They're, they're walking away with it. We have people to thank today. Zach Withers does a fantastic job for us every week as our top producer. Terry Francona, the Indians, Jim Callis, MLB.com. We thank them for their participation. People can keep up with me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write Sox and Cubs every day, 670thescore.com. Matt, have a great week. Enjoy Rosie. I will. And tomorrow, hit and run at 9 a.m. Jason Benetti will be in studio for the first hour as the guest co-host. He is Bruce Levine. Steve Rosenblum is next. I stay. I'm Matt Spiegel on 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.